couple of items of interest in aerospace news this past week. Uh, you may have seen both of these, or maybe just one of them, but uh, the NASA's Messenger probe uh, finally ran out of fuel and crashed into the surface of Mercury. That was not a failure. It's been an astonishing success, actually. Mercury has been, excuse me, yeah, Mercury's been out there a long time, but, but Messenger, Messenger the probe, has been orbiting Mercury uh, for some 11 years now. Uh, mapping it out and sending back some astonishing data. So its, it's crash was anything but a, a failure. Not so much the Russian cargo ship that was sent up to resupply the International Space Station. Uh, we're not really quite sure what went wrong there. Uh, it is set to crash into the Earth uh, at, some, at some point. I think right out there in that field, actually. Um, uh, but anyway... Um, yeah, it's, it's anything but a success. It's certainly a, a smashing failure, uh, if I can use uh, those words. Uh, again, the Russians aren't quite sure what ro went wrong. We do know this. We do know this much. Right now, that thing is up there somewhere. Gosh, it makes you want to kind of look up, doesn't it? Um, in a decaying orbit, spinning, drifting aimlessly. And I got to thinking about that, and, and my heart just broke because uh, this image came to my mind that that, in, in a profound way, captures what it is to be spinning, drifting in a decaying orbit, aimlessly. That's really what it is for all of us here on earth who live without a relationship with the true and living God. The one who has made us for himself. And without whom, as the great Augustine said, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in him. Now, the beauty of it is we're going to be looking at a text here for the next few minutes that tells us something of uh, how we can have, actually, uh, purpose and direction and meaning in life. We need not go through life dr adrift in a decaying orbit and aimless and, and all of that. How that's possible and who has come to make it possible. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'd ask you to turn to Matthew. Uh, I tipped that off earlier in the service as we we're getting started. This is the first in a, in a series uh, that we are starting here this morning uh, in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, this is the first of the Gospels that we have. This is the beginning of the New Testament, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Then after that, of course, comes Mark and Luke and John. Uh, so I'd ask you to turn there with me now. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 17, Matthew chapter 1. Verses 1 through 17. So please now uh, listen carefully to the Word of God. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nishon, and Nishon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, 
and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, fourteen generations. We pray together. Lord, as the psalm says in Psalm 1, as our delight is in the law, the law of the Lord, and on your law we meditate day and night, we are blessed. We are like tr the tree that is planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf not withering, and all we do prospering. And, and we know that when the psalmist speaks of prospering, it is in the deepest widest, highest possible meaning of, of that word. It is enrichment, it is life, it is meant to be, it is shalom, it is peace, it is a flourishing as we sink our roots into your word and find our life, our orientation, our direction, our meaning, our significance and purpose there and in you. Uh, we ask that you would help us to do that uh, we thank you for your inerrant, infallible word that, that does speak, and you continue to speak, and through it, and we ask that you would do that now, even in these few minutes that we have, uh, even in my, what might seem in this genealogy and what is almost only a list of names, we ask you to help us to see, oh, oh, there is reason for this, and we need to know. Amen. Story is told of a, of a man at a family reunion who met a woman there, a guest of one of his relatives. Uh, he is smitten by her and uh, decides he wants to meet her, but not really thinking. He just goes straight up and asks her this boneheaded question. So, tell me, what kind of men do you like? Well, she's taken aback by his directness, but then replies, well, funny, I guess you asked that, but I, I love American Indian men. I... Uh, Find them to be mysterious. I love their, their lineage. I, I, I love their bond to nature. And that's just, there's just a majesty there with such history. But, you know, as, you, as I think about it, I, I also love um, men of the Jewish heritage. Uh, they have uh, left an enormous legacy of endurance under, under trial and uh, tradition and courage. But, you know, what else I have to tell you? I'm, I'm from the South. And... I like the, the good old boy, the, the southern redneck, and he's so basic. He's, he's not complex, he's, he's gutsy and, and, and direct. By the way, what's your name? And the man, thinking quickly on his feet, says, Tonto Rosenberg. <laughs> but my friends call me Bubba Joe. 
and I'll give the benediction now. No. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't trust Bubba Joe as far as I could throw him, but uh, introductions are important. Introductions are important. Um, there you find out uh, what's going on, what's driving events, um, the characters in particular, the players, where do they come from, what are their origins, what's driving them, their, their, their motivations, what makes them tick. Uh, introductions are important, that you would understand what's really going on, and that brings us to this genealogy. Now, I know, I know, I know what my initial impression is, I know what yours is, is to just skip over this. This is just a boring list of names. Don't do that. Uh, keep in mind, in the, the first century, Jewish perspective is anything, this is anything but boring. This is actually fascinating, because such lists were oftentimes used to show, to, to prove, to validate purity of lineage, and that is exactly what Matthew is doing here. He is showing, he is putting forth the purity of Jesus' Jesus's lineage, who he is. This is what we're learning here in this, in this genealogy, who Jesus is and why he came. That's what we're learning in this genealogy. That's, that's Matthew's intent uh, to show us who, who Jesus is and why he came. Put it another way, Jesus has been revealed clearly to us uh, who He is and why He came. We need to take heed and hear this that we might know who we are and our need of Him. Uh, Matthew, we see three things here in this genealogy coming out and I'm just going to have to do a quick overview. It's all we've got the time for this morning. But uh, he's setting the, the, the stage for three things that we're going to see reoccurring all through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, all 28 chapters. These, these three themes Jesus identified and shown forth as in this genealogy. One, as the son of David. Two, as the son of Abraham. And three, as God in the flesh. Let's look at these in turn. Uh, again, this is just a quick overview, setting the, the stage for what's coming in the rest of the study. First, Jesus as the son of of David. What, what is that about? Well, we know, you know, if you go back and read through your Old Testament, uh, you know, we know David to be, of course, Israel's great warrior king, the preeminent ruler in all of their eventful history. But chiefly, we need to keep in mind in, in this context, the covenant that God made with David, as recorded in 2 Samuel 7, that God was making a covenant with David to establish his throne such that his line would endure forever. That's a major component of what's in the backdrop of, of when it's said that Jesus is the son of David. And by the way, it's not just a passing reference that we have here. Oh, son of David, verse 1, got it, moving on. No, it's, it's actually embedded, it's interwoven all throughout every, these, these 17 verses that I just read. There's a, a definitive reference made to David. I'll put it that way. Here in verse 6, in the verse part, there at the end of that, that uh, first section, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Now, it's interesting. David is not described here as a king, as one among many like all the others. He's just in a crowd. No, he's described as the king among the others, but above the others. That should tell us something. Here's something else, and it's, it's next to impossible for us as English readers, Western, 21st century readers, to pick up on this, but for the first century Jewish reader would have locked onto another point, and that is the intentional structure of this 
genealogy. You may have noted, and Matthew points it out, there's three groups of 14 names here. Intentional structure. Uh, there, there are a lot of names in the genealogy left out because Matthew has a point in how he is structuring and relaying and reporting all this to us. Uh, meant to point and drive our attention towards recognizing David is coming out here highly, not just because he's mentioned more than any other in the list five times, but because the Jewish reader would have understood the numeric values that the Hebrew letters had. Hang on. I'm gonna, I'm, this, this is important. When you take a look at David's name, the numeric value of the name David is 14. Now, Matthew has structured this genealogy how? Three groups of 14. Boom, boom, boom. Hammering the point home. David is also the 14th name in the list. All this is meant to, it's just creative. It's, it's fascinating. It's, it's worth knowing. It's worth understanding. Matthew's trying to make a point. Jesus is. I'm not, he's not just saying it. He's showing it. Jesus is the son of David. He is not just in the line of David. He is the fulfillment of everything David was about. He is the new David. Now that's significant because for centuries, the Jewish people have been waiting for the heir of the throne of David. Some thousand years roughly by this point, they've been waiting for the promised one to come. This one that they knew that the prophecy said was going to restore them in some way. It's far beyond their expectations, actually, but restore the, 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 the greatness of the people to drive their enemies out, again, in ways far beyond better than their expectations. And by the way, there was also this expectancy, and you see this coming out again and again in Matthew's Gospel, this expectancy of this king, the son of David, was going to come with healing in his hands. And Matthew's saying, from the start, my friends, he's come. He's come. Now, how do you respond to such a one who's come? Well, he's the king, so we should be bowing before him. But he also comes with the hands of healing, which means we not just bow before him, but we should be turning towards him turning towards him with all of our ache, all of our angst, all of our worry, all of our pain, and let him come towards us with his hands of healing. He's the son of David. Secondly, he's also the son of Abraham. The son of David, and he is also the son of Abraham. Now, who is Abraham? Well, uh, Abraham is the first of the patriarchs. Going back to, to Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, he is the, the father of the Jewish people. Now more than anything else, we need to keep in mind here not just the covenant God made with David, but the covenant God made with Abraham. Now, keep your thumb here in, in Matthew 1. Go back with me to Genesis 12. I didn't read the, the excerpt from 2 Samuel 7. It's too long, uh, but this is pretty quick. This is pretty short. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what the Lord says to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. 
and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, what the Lord is saying to Abraham is He is promising to bless him and his seed, his line, his descendants, such that they will prove to be a blessing to the entire world, to all nations. That's the promise being made to Abraham. And by the way, it's not just a passing mention of Abraham either that we see here. Again, too, we see something of an interwovenness even in the genealogy if we can just have eyes to see and pick up on it. First of all, first of all, Abraham's giving promise is given promise of place. He's the first listed in the genealogy. He, he's the one that kicks off the whole thing, if, if you will. But, but not just that, it's, it's these hearkening, these echoes that you see in this genealogy that come out in an interesting way to that Abrahamic promise that this blessing would come through his line to all the nations. And you see it in the inclusion of the four women. It's, it's, this is really unusual for an, a list coming from the ancient Near East, a genealogy like this, to have these, these women listed here. Because, of course, the men were understood to be the head of the household and the one through whom the line is understood to, to progress and come. And yet, Matthew intentionally, clearly, intentionally lists these four women leading up to Mary as, as the fifth. Why? Why these four? There's a lot of things that have been said about this. This is what's going on. Those four women are all Gentiles. They're all non-Jews. Immediately, a reminder to the reader what this is about. A blessing is coming. One is coming. A descendant is coming. The seed, the son of Abraham is coming, who will prove to be a blessing to the nations. As we think about that and all the, the, the wonder that comes with that, what do we do? Well, it's a reminder from the start of God's unconditional, as you think of how Abraham was called as he was some 2,100 years before Matthew is even writing what he's writing. This is a reminder of God's unconditional grace and election. This is a reminder of his sovereign love. How should we respond to that? Humility. We have no rights. We have no claim. We have but privilege to enjoy. Gratitude. Wonder. Awe that He would include us. Security. Knowing nothing is going to shake us loose from His promises and His purposes. Welcome to any and all that He would bring into the family. Longing that He would bring yet more. Jesus is the Son of David and He is the Son of Abraham. One last thing. He is also God in the flesh. Now, that's not explicitly stated like the other two are, but it is certainly implicit and made quite clear. Now, that's a, a stunning assertion for us, just to start, just, just us. I mean, really, think about this. We talk about this every December. It's worth talking about in May. 
fully man, fully God. The wonder, the miracle of the incarnation. I mean, you know, my 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 goodness, no no wonder uh, from that song that we were I was reading from earlier. Come and stand amazed in, in, indeed. But this is not just an astonishing or stunning assertion for any of us to make in the 21st century. This was a stunning assertion for Matthew to be making in the first century. Who is Matthew? Think with me here. He is a first century Jewish man, deeply steeped in the tenets of Judaism. And something has happened in this man's life to say that this man, coming from a line of flesh and blood people that he's just listed out, this man somehow at the same time is also Yahweh. So it's a stunning thing. It would be actually, it would be crazy. It, it would really, it, it was, it was blasphemous. Unless true. Which, of course, it is. I, now, how's, how do you see this in here? Am I just making this up? No, really, I'm not. Verse 16, you see where Jesus shows up in the genealogy, the flow of things. Verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ, the cadence is shattered. You've been reading through, starting in, in verse 2, all the way through the verse 15, you get to verse 16, boom, the cadence is shattered here. It's broken here. There's a biological mother mentioned, but no biological father. Joseph is mentioned, but not as the father. Read it again. Which is a clue that this one who is entering into the, the, the scene, who's coming into the flow of space and time, his appearance is unlike any other, which of course is setting the, the stage for what Matthew is about to tell us in the rest of Matthew 1 and on into Matthew 2. But there's something else here, and that's just, just how Matthew begins. Verse 1. And again, the first century Jewish reader would have their ears would have immediately picked up on this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Literally. literally this is the book of the beginnings. That's how this could easily be translated without any monkeying around with the words. Hearkening back to the first book, Genesis. A first century Jewish reader would have immediately thought of, because of how Matthew phrases this, would have immediately thought of Genesis, the beginning. What is Matthew saying? He's saying, this is a new Genesis. This is a new beginning. Every bit as dramatic as the first one. With the coming of the Christ. The son of David. He is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. But somehow at the same time, he is God in the flesh. Now, I was saying a moment ago, you know, that this, with, in terms of the longings of because of the prophecies that the people of, of Israel had been waiting, aching for the appearance of this one who would fulfill all that and answer all of that. Well, it's not this, the longings of the Jewish people he's come to satisfy and answer. It's all people. The longing that's down deep 
within us all, whether you've read the Old Testament ever or not. Look around you. And the longing that this world would be made new. Look in you. And the longing that you would be made new. And Matthew is saying, my friends, He has come. The new beginning, the author of the new Genesis has come. He is God in the flesh, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, and God Himself, Jesus, has come to bring this new beginning. And so you see from the very start, the very start of Matthew's Gospel with this genealogy, Jesus is being clearly revealed to us who He is and why He's come. And we need to hear that and heed that that we would then have a better understanding of who we are and our need of Him. Now I'm going to say that again because I don't know if you heard how crazy what I just said is. How brash, how astounding. I had to really think, do I really want to say that? But I'm going to say it again. Matthew is showing us in this genealogy who Jesus is and why He came. We need to hear this, we need to heed this so that we know who we are and our need of Him. Now that's nuts, unless it's true. And it is. You know, some introductions are so significant, they are so dramatic, they demand our attention. They, they cause us when we really are grappling with what the person has just said of themselves and how they've been introduced. We, you, you just have to do like a double take. You just have to stop in your tracks. You have to whip your head around and you have to say, the, you, 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 wait, you're, you're who? Because you understand the impact they are going to have on you. This past week, the, the news has been coming out you know, from that horrible disaster in Nepal. The earthquake. Um, but it, it, now, scientists, it's not just those on the ground and the casualty reports and the damage reports that are coming in, but it's also scientists are telling us some things about that earthquake and why it caused the destruction that it did. Did you know that it was so powerful, what hit Nepal just eight days ago, that Mount Everest dropped an inch? Can you imagine? that a, a, a huge swath of, if that's a word, whatever, tract of land, 75 by 30 miles. Get that. Square footage. I don't know what that would be. Was raised three feet. It's not far from Kathmandu where that happened. No wonder. No wonder that, that kind of shaking beneath no wonder it's caused such damage and so many people have been hurt and killed. It's not just that in terms of seismic activity. Yellowstone, Yellowstone Park's been in the news this past week too. Now, some of you know about the supervolcano. It's, so, it's still safe to go. But there's this, you know, we've known for years there's a supervolcano down beneath, beneath Yellowstone Park. But did you also know that scientists, just was a report was just released, made public this past week, that there's a magma chamber below the supervolcano, so huge that it could fill the Grand Canyon 11 times over. Again, it's not scheduled to blow, 
But what if it did? I bring up those two analogies because those are powerful images of when a, a profound dramatic shaking takes place beneath you and undoes everything. But Matthew is telling us about a shaking beneath that doesn't, it's not destructive. It's in the best word, constructive. Yeah, it undoes, but it, re, it, 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 it uh, remakes everything and reframes how we should be seeing everything because this Jesus who has come in the space of in, in space and time, entered into history, is just as who he says he is. He is the son of David and he is the son of Abraham and he is God in the flesh. And Matthew desperately wants us from the very, very start to get that, to know that, to think about that and to embrace it. Let's pray. Lord, this is good news. And we thank You for it. You've come as the son of David, the true ruler, with healing in Your hands. You've come as the son of Abraham for not just a few, but for all nations. You've come as God in the flesh to bring a new beginning. This is astounding news that we, in many ways, we all, all of us, and every human being, in many ways, long to hear, but at the same time, we struggle to embrace. And oh God, for all of us here this morning, if, if we're hearing this for the first time, and it's, it's, there are questions that are now coming to our mind that perhaps are a barrier to, to going any further with this, we pray that you'd help us get the answers that we need. But oh Lord, some of us, it's not that. It's, it's the fear. It's the worry as to what it would mean, what it would cost us if we really believe this. And we pray that you'd be merciful to us in that barrier. Some of us, Lord, it's not that, though. It's, it's, it's guilt. It's shame as to what we've done. And we think that that would mean we can't go. No, we, we ask that you would help us to see that that's not, you can take care of that too. Whatever the barrier, whatever the hindrance, whatever the obstacle, we ask you'd help us to hear and to believe and to entrust ourselves to you. Amen. Let me ask my fellow elders if you would join me now.